we are going to uh, continue for a few moments in uh, studying the Word, and we're going to be looking at our reading for this week, which is John chapter number one, one of the deepest and most profound readings in all of the Word of God. Actually, one of the deepest and most profound readings anywhere is uh, John chapter number one. And uh, our title for tonight is Come and See the Light. Come and see the light. Now, in uh, um, the uh, Old Testament, Solomon asked in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27, he said, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house that I have builded. When uh, Solomon was dedicating the temple, his question is, will God indeed dwell on the earth? And of course, we see that in the tabernacle, the Shekinah glory of God did dwell on the earth. And then in the temple, the glory of God did dwell on the earth. But as we read in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's the story of how God dwelt on the earth in a different kind of tabernacle, a different kind of temple that it was known as Emmanuel, which being interpreted God with us. That Jesus was God on the earth. Amen? So as you look at the uh, four Gospels, they are snapshots of the life of Jesus, the good news of the life of the Lord. And you'll, as you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that uh, you see some of the same stories repeated and uh, some different angles or different viewpoints on the various stories. And uh, some have wondered, well, why are there four Gospels included in the Bible? Why don't we just pick the best one and go with that one? The reason is, is that each of these Gospels come from a different perspective, and they, while the target audience is all of us, they specifically focus on particular audience. When you look at Matthew, Matthew is written by a Jew to his fellow Jews because throughout the book of Matthew, he is reiterating how Jesus' life fulfilled many, many Old Testament prophecies. And it says, as it was written. So when you read the book of Matthew, you see the story of Jesus as directed to the Jewish people. Now, when you look at the book of Mark, um, it is targeted more to the Romans, to the busy Romans. And it reveals Jesus as a servant who ministered to the needs of people. He was serving the people by working miracles and uh, doing things to meet people's needs. So where Matthew revealed Jesus as the king of the Jews, Mark revealed Jesus as a servant to the people. And then Luke was written more with the Greeks in mind, with their focus on education, and he revealed Jesus as the Son of Man. But when we talk about John, John is written to both the Jews and to the Gentiles. And he reveals Jesus Christ as the Son of God. When he was talking to the Jews, he revealed how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament and also the types and shadows foreshadowing the appearance of Jesus Christ. He shows how Jesus fulfilled those types. Many of these types are like Jesus was the Lamb of God. You see the Lamb of God in the Old Testament. The ladder, Jacob's ladder. Jesus was the new temple 
from the Old Testament temple. He was the serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness. Uh, He was the bread that appeared every morning. All of these types in the Old Testament of Jesus Christ, uh, John reveals how Jesus fulfilled these types. And um, while the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, focus on the events of Jesus' life and ministry, John focuses more on the meaning of the events. And for instance, all of them tell the story of feeding the 5,000. But John is the only one that goes a step further and gives Jesus' sermon on the bread of life after he fed the 5,000 to explain the meaning of what was taking place. And when you read the book of John, as you read John from beginning to end, there is one major theme that emerges. And the theme of John is this. Jesus is the Son of God, and if you commit yourself to Him, He will give you eternal life. If we were to take John down to one sentence, that's the sentence. Jesus is the Son of God, and if you commit yourself to Him, He will give you eternal life. Now, as you start reading John chapter 1, there are two things that emerge. The two things are First of all, a revelation of who Jesus is through the words of John the writer and then through the words of John the Baptist, a revelation of who Jesus is. And secondly, in the later part of John chapter 1, you begin to see this idea of evangelism, of people who have found Jesus bringing other people to experience Jesus, and to have their life transformed by Jesus Christ. Now, there are seven different names or titles of Jesus that are used in John chapter 1. Everybody hold up seven fingers. Seven fingers. Uh, I got one thumb, so seven fingers. There we go. Seven titles or names for Jesus that reveal the message of John. The message of John is about the deity of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus is God in the flesh. This is the uh, uh, overwhelming message of the book of John. In John chapter 1, we see seven names or titles of Jesus that identify him as the eternal God. So we'll start with the first one. The first one is in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And then verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the first thing, the first title or Uh, description or name for Jesus Christ in John is the Word. Everybody say the Word. The Word, palabra. It's uh, the Greek word for word is logos. And uh, just like our words that we speak, what do they do? They reveal our thoughts and our mind. You can't see in my brain, can you? I get my brain out to you through my words, through expression. And what Jesus is, Jesus is God's word revealing his thoughts and his mind to us. You don't know what's in my mind until I speak. 
And you can't really know God until you're introduced to Jesus. Because Jesus reveals the invisible God. First of all, he's revealed as the creative word. Notice how John chapter 1, verse 1 is similar to Genesis 1:1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. In Genesis 1:1 and John 1:1, we see that God created the worlds through his word. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God said, let the firmament be established. And it was so. Everything that was created was created through the the word of God. When God spoke, it happened. When the mind of God was expressed, then action took place. Everything was created through the expression of God. And here it says that The expression of God we understand today is Jesus Christ. Is in verse 14, the word of God made flesh. So so the world was created through or by the expression or the word of God. Without him speaking, nothing happened. And the Bible says later in Colossians 1.16 that the worlds were created by Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is the expression or the word of God. Everybody say amen. So Jesus is God's mind expressed. Jesus is God's mind revealed. Or Jesus is God revealing himself to us. Jesus is God declaring himself to us. And in verse 14, it shows him not as the creative word, but as the incarnate word. What does incarnate mean? In flesh. It shows that Jesus Christ, the word, became flesh. That the word became in the body, in a physical body. And God expressed himself through Jesus Christ. I love when the Bible talks about, in uh, um, I think it's in the book of Isaiah, who, uh, um, who hath believed our report, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant. He hath no form of comeliness. He shall be desired. It's referring to Jesus Christ. as to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? What is it? He is showing his power, his strength, his influence. Jesus Christ is God revealing himself to us. Jesus Christ is the invisible God expressing himself through the flesh. Now, throughout the book of John, he emphasizes the deity of Jesus Christ, but he also clarifies that Jesus came in the flesh. And while Jesus was the eternal divine God, as the God-man, he was also in real human flesh. John takes special care to note that Jesus grew weary. God doesn't grow weary, but in the flesh, Jesus Christ grew weary. He was thirsty. He groaned. He wept. And while he was on the cross, he bled. He got thirsty. He died on the cross because he was in the flesh. So John was showing us that Jesus Christ, nobody ever before, nobody ever since, nobody ever will be fully God 
and fully human being. Fully divine and fully in the flesh. So how was the Word of God made flesh? How was the thought, the mind of God made flesh? It was made flesh through the virgin birth. A virgin shall conceive. And there was no uh, human male that was involved in the conception of Jesus Christ. It was the overshadowing of the Spirit. And so God's mind, God's thoughts, God's plan, God's expression was made flesh through the miracle of the virgin birth. And Christianity is about Christ. And Jesus Christ is God. Amen? Praise the Lord. The second revelation we see, or name or title, is in verses 4 through 13. It reveals Jesus as the light. Everybody say the light. And uh, if you were to take the theme of, of John, it says uh, uh, it's, about, uh, it's all about life. In him, verse 4 says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. It's interesting when you read through the book of John, there are four main things, among others, that you have to have to survive. You have to have light. If there was no light, nothing would survive. You have to have air. Thank God for oxygen. You have to have H2O. And you have to have food to survive. If you don't have any one of these four elements, you can't live. These are four basic elements to life. And John shows how Jesus is all of these things. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the water of life. And through the Spirit, it is the breath of God. And so Jesus is all of these things that bring life to us. But in verses 4 through 13, he focuses on Jesus Christ being the light. And throughout John, light and darkness are recurring themes. God is revealed as light, and Satan is revealed as darkness. So verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. What this verse means is that you have light, which is from God, darkness, which is a product of ignorance or Satan's philosophy, that when light shined into darkness, the darkness did not comprehend it. There's two possible meanings for comprehended. It means it was not overcome by it, or it did not understand it. So two ideas here. Number one, when the light shined into the darkness, the darkness was not overcome by it, number one, or the darkness did not understand the light. And you see that both of these happen, things happen. When light shines in, if you don't understand it, you resist it. One that does not understand the light begins to resist the light. And you see through the book of John that when the light of Jesus began to shine, there were people that did not understand it. The Jews did not understand that the light of the world had showed up. And so since they didn't understand, they began to resist it to the point where Jesus was crucified by the very people he came to save. When you do not understand, then you will likely oppose. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, talking about John the Baptist. Now notice John the Baptist is not the John that wrote this book. The John that wrote this book is mentioned later in this chapter. But this is John the Baptist. But John the writer is saying, 
is talking about John the Baptist. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light. John the Baptist was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And so the ministry or the purpose of John the Baptist was explained in the context of Jesus being the light. It was revealed that people were going to reject him. People were not going to believe, as we read in verse uh, uh, verse 9. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. The light came. It wasn't recognized. The light came, it was rejected. John the Baptist came before to let people know, hey, this is the light. He came before to bear witness of the light. But those who Jesus came for rejected him and knew him not because they got confused. They were wrapped up in the lesser lights of the Old Testament. The lesser lights of the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, the temple the sacrifice. All of these things were revealing to them truth, but they were lesser lights that were pointing to the real light, and the real light was Jesus Christ. I am the light of the world. I am not a light. I'm not a portion of light. All of these other things are just reflecting the light that's shining off of me. Amen? So the lesser lights of the Old Testament were like moons. They produced no light of themselves. They were reflecting the glory of Jesus in retrospect. Uh, They were reflecting the glory of the cross uh, in retrospect, uh, the the glory of redemption and the glory of the light of Jesus Christ. Uh, But the Jews were wrapped up in the reflected light and they missed the imminent light, uh, which was Jesus Christ. But John came to bear witness. And all of those things in the Old Testament were to point to the real light, which was Jesus Christ. And when Jesus taught in his ministry, he was teaching how he, Jesus, was fulfilling everything that was typified in the law. Is it okay if I work tonight just to make Jesus famous in your eyes? Jesus taught that he fulfilled everything that was typified in the law. And so he said, it's not good enough that you're born a Jew. You need to be born again. Amen. So in verses 12 through 13, it tells of the glorious, the marvelous promise. This is our memory verse. But as many as received him, the light, Jesus, the word, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, sons of God in the King James Version, to those who believe in his name, who were born. Everybody say born. Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What's it talking about here? about the new birth, which were born again. Not a physical birth, not a physical occurrence, but it was a supernatural birth. The promise here in verse 12 is as many as receive Jesus Christ, they have the right to become the children of God when they believe in his name and they're born. Not of the flesh, not of the will of, not not of blood, nor the will of man, but of God. When they're born of God, they have the right 
to become the sons of God. This is the marvelous promise. The marvelous promise is that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, uh, when we receive the light, uh, we have the right to become the son of God by being born of the Spirit. Somebody shout amen. Amen. So the marvelous promise is that those who receive Christ will be born again into the family of God. This is describing the new birth. John goes into more detail in chapter 3 when he describes this new birth. When Nicodemus shows up, uh, calls for Jesus at night and has a conversation, and Jesus says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I can't be born again. I'm too old. I'm not talking about born of the flesh. I'm not talking about born of the blood. I'm not talking about born of the will of man. I'm talking about born of God. He, except the man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. This was the born again, the new birth experience that when you put your trust in God, when you receive the light, you can be born into the kingdom of God. So right here in chapter one, he's revealing this is not a physical birth. It is a spiritual birth. So he is referred to as the light. The third thing that Jesus, the third title that Jesus has given in this reading is as the Son of God. The Son of God. All right? Uh, in verses 15 through 28 and then verse 49, it refers to Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And... Uh, it begins to tell the story of how John bore witness of him and began to reveal him. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. What was John the Baptist revealing about Jesus when he said that? What was he revealing about Jesus? Here's the deal. You know that Jesus and John were cousins, right? Who was the older cousin? John. Because when, when uh, remember the story when Mary told Elizabeth, hey, the angel appeared and said, I'm going to have a baby. Guess who was already pregnant? Elizabeth already had a baby, and the baby's like, shazam, like leaped in the womb. When he heard the word, it was John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a few months older than Jesus. But what did John say? John said here, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. He is revealing the eternal nature of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was older than Jesus, and he was referring to Jesus' eternal or divine nature. He was saying Jesus didn't just show up when he was born, but there is something eternal about this. You know why? Because he's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He is the ancient of days, even though he's younger than me. That's why Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And they took up stones to throw at him. They said, you're not even 30 yet. Moses has been dead for years. How can you say you were before Moses? Because Jesus is eternal in his divine nature. Somebody say amen. He is God. And then in verses 16 and 17, he says, And the fullness we have all received, and grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. Okay, But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So he reveals 
that uh, the Son of God was grace, the fullness of grace and truth. How many are thankful that God is grace and truth? Jesus Christ is grace and truth. And he's saying, Moses brought truth, but he didn't have any grace. And what did it do? It condemned you. Jesus is not just truth, but he's truth and grace. And he's not just grace, but he's grace and truth. Because if Jesus was just grace, it would be deceitful. If Jesus was just truth, we would be condemned. But since he is grace and truth, uh, then we can be saved. Amen. He is justice and he is mercy. Praise the Lord. Thank God for that. He is justice and mercy or grace and truth. And then verse 18 says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who's in the bosom of the father, he hath declared him. He is the one that has revealed him. What is verse 18 saying? Jesus reveals God to us. We see God when we look at Jesus. That's why Jesus said when, they, when, when Philip said, show us the Father, and then we'll be cool. And Jesus said, Philip, in, in John 14, he said, I've been with you quite a while, and you still don't get it yet. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So why are you still asking to see the Father? Jesus is God, and the only God you're going to see is Jesus because he is the image of the invisible God. No man hath seen the invisible God at any time. Jesus Christ is revealing him. He is declaring him. It is God showing himself to us. Somebody shout amen. And this is uh, borne out in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. It says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And Hebrews 1, 3 says, who being the brightness of his glory, Jesus is the light of the world. He's the brightness of his glory and the express image of his Uh, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they said, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, nope. Are you the prophet? He said, nope. They said, who are you? So that we can give an answer to those who sent us. We were sent to interrogate you. We need an answer. What do you say about yourself? He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? So he said, Nope, I'm not the prophet, I'm not Elijah, I'm not the Messiah. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. I'm preparing a way for one that is coming. And they say, Why are you baptizing then? And, and the reason they were curious about this, baptism was not atypical. It was something that happened during that time. But they didn't baptize Jews. They would baptize Gentiles who were wanting to embrace the Jewish lifestyle. They would be baptized into the new life. But here's John 
baptizing Jews. These Jews don't need to be baptized. They're already Jews. Why are you baptizing these Jews? And John explained that his water baptism was going to be followed by a spirit baptism. And he said, there's one coming after me. I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It's he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He's going to baptize. Amen? Praise God. So he said that there's one coming after. All right, so now... The fourth way that Jesus is referred to in this passage is as the Lamb of God. In verse 29, when Jesus shows up, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, not not just the Son of God, not the light of the world, not the Word, Word made flesh, but behold, the Lamb of God. Jesus here is revealed as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man preferred before me. He was before me. I do not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. This is the Lamb of God. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. He remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who has sent me to baptize with water said unto me, unto whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit, and I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. So he was revealed. He said, there is the Lamb of God. Now, if you were to look at the whole Bible in context, what is the Old Testament about? The Old Testament is one question, and the question is, where is the Lamb? We got a lot of sins to deal with. We got a lot of issues. We got a lot of brokenness. We need atonement. Where is the lamb? And the four gospels declare this message. Behold, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. The Old Testament lays the foundation of the need for a substitutionary sacrifice and the question of where is the lamb? And John said, behold the lamb. See, all the Jews understood because every year they had to get a Passover lamb in every house. Uh, Every year they were used to offering sacrificial lambs. Uh, But the lambs that they offered were just for Jewish people and they couldn't really wash away sins. They could just push forward the process for another year. But when John said, behold the lamb of God, this is not not a lamb of God just for you and your family. This is not a lamb of God just for this, this year. But behold, the lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. It's a universal redemption. It's a universal atonement. Jesus Christ revealed as the lamb of God that could not just push sins forward, but wash away sins of the whole world. Number five, in verse 35 through 42, Jesus is revealed as the Messiah. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. Looking at Jesus, he walked. He said, behold, the Lamb of God. John had his followers. You guys got with me? John the Baptist has his followers. And as Jesus walks by, he says, hey, guys, it's the Lamb of God right there. The Spirit of the Lord revealed it to me. An angel descended, letting me know, giving me a cue, here's the Holy Spirit baptizer. That's the Lamb of God. He's going to take away the sins of the world. And the two disciples heard him say that, and they decided to follow Jesus. Now, was John upset, John the Baptist, that now they're following Jesus? John had an understanding of what his purpose was. He said, he must increase, I must decrease. My job is to introduce Jesus, and then 
kind of step into the background. And so when the two disciples began to follow him, Jesus turned around, saw them following, said, who do you seek? And they said unto him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. And I'm sure Jesus talked to them during that time. It was about the 10th hour. And uh, one of the two that heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found what? The Messiah. The Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus was looking at him, he said, you are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. And this is the story of when two of John's disciples began to follow Jesus. Now, this John that's mentioned here is the one that wrote the book of John. And then Andrew is uh, the other one that's mentioned here, his brother. And Jesus said, uh, 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 John and, uh, I'm sorry, John and Andrew, Andrew was not his brother. Jesus said, what are you seeking? And they were so impressed that they brought their brothers. Andrew and John brought their brothers. Andrew had a brother named Simon. John had a brother named James. After they spent a day with Jesus, they brought their brothers and said, come on, we have found the Messiah. We have found the light. We found the word. We found the one. We have found him. And the one thing I like when you read in the Bible about this guy named Andrew, you never read a single sermon that he preached or hear about him preaching at a conference. We don't read that about Andrew. But every time you read about Andrew, he's always bringing somebody to Jesus. He starts by bringing his brother. Hey, come check this guy out. Simon. Come on, Simon. Come, come on. Come on. Check him out. Check him out, Simon. He's the Messiah. Well, Simon becomes the apostle Peter because Andrew brought him to Jesus. Amen? Andrew's the one that, that uh, uh, brought the lad with the fishes and the loaves. He brought him to Jesus. Uh, he was the one uh, um, that brought the Greeks that wanted to hear. He's the one that brought them to Jesus. Andrew was always bringing somebody to Jesus, and he transformed the world because he was a personal witness. Uh, he wasn't uh, articulate. Uh, he wasn't necessarily the one to get up in front of people. He wasn't the uh, uh, super persuasive one, but he's always bringing somebody. I love it when I see somebody bringing people to Jesus. Bringing somebody to Jesus, bringing people to Jesus. God, get that anointing on all of us. It's not just for a handful of us, but God, get a hold of us. Sister Phoebe, I love the fact you're always bringing people. Bringing people to Jesus. Sister V, always bringing people to Jesus. Get a hold, let that get a hold of our spirit. Let us have the spirit of Andrew. This is, I may never preach a conference, but that's not what it's about. It's about bringing people to Jesus. Praise God. Some people were convinced by Jesus preaching. Others were convinced because somebody brought them to Jesus. Amen. The message was we found the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, the Son of God. And there was confusion about what the Messiah was going to do. They looked in the Old Testament. And on one hand, it looks like he's going to be a suffering sacrifice. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised. So the Bible scholars said, yeah, we're going to have a Messiah that's a suffering Sacrifice, And then others say, well, it says here he's going to be the king. He's going to be a ruler. He's going to reign. So some people say we're looking for a king. Some people say we're looking for a suffering sacrifice. Jesus revealed I'm going to be both, but I'm going to have to suffer the cross before I get my crown. Amen. 
He was going to suffer and sacrifice, but he was going to become the king. Now, here's the deal. Simon was changed that day. Simon was changed. When Jesus looked at Simon, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. He said, you're going to be changed. You have been called Simon. What does Simon mean? It means to hear. What does Cephas mean? Cephas is the same as Peter. That's a different translation, the same name. It means a rock. Something's going to change in you, dude. Right now, you are a Simon. You go with whatever you hear. <laughs> Any new thing that comes along impacts you, affects you, devastates you. That's you. You're kind of a wishy-washy type of person. You change with everything you hear. That's who you are. But something's going to change in you. You shall become. From now on, you're going to be called Peter, which is a rock. This is what you've been known as. This has been your reputation. This has been your identity. But to them that believed on him, he gave them power to become the sons of God. This is who you are, Simon. This is who you're going to be. I want to tell you the good news of the gospel. It's not about who you were. It's not about characteristics that you had. It's not about what's been in your past. But when you meet the light, he's going to transform you. He's going to say, this is who you are, but this is who you're going to be. Thou art, but thou shalt be. This is our hope in Jesus Christ. This is what I am, but this is what I shall be. Because I believe in the light, I've been given the power to become a son of God. Somebody praise him right now. Power. Power to become. Wrapping up here. Number six, verses 43 through 49, he was referred to as the king of Israel. Philip found Nathaniel, said to him, we found him whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth said unto him, I mean, Nathanael did, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, come and see. Isn't that what Jesus said to him earlier? Come and see. Just come check it out. Come and see. You don't have to cast your vote with it yet. You don't have to believe it yet. You may have uh, resistance. You may have uh, certain objections, but just come check it out. Come and see. Come and see the light. And Nathanael came. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile, no deceit. Nathanael said, How do you know me? Jesus said, Before Philip called you and you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered, said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. When he saw, when he realized that Jesus knew his heart, it transformed him, and he began to believe in Jesus Christ. One thing I want you to notice about this passage, it says he is uh, the one whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus, the, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. That Philip, when he was introducing Nathaniel to Jesus, he used the law and the prophets. He didn't just use his own testimony, but he also tied the word of God together with introducing his friend to Jesus. He says, this is the one. Let's remember the law and the prophets. They talk about one's going to be born. This is him. It is Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Number seven, the last one. In verses 50 and 51, Jesus is referred to as the son of man. 
Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is profound right here. The Son of Man is one of Jesus' favorite titles for himself. And what the Son of Man refers to is both the deity and the humanity of Jesus Christ. The only way that the gap between God and me could be bridged was for somebody that could be the bridge between humanity and deity. Who is that? That's the mediator between God and man. You can only be a mediator when you can relate to both parties. And Jesus Christ is the ladder between the earth and heaven. This was referring to Jacob's ladder. Remember when Jacob had the dream sleeping on a rock for a pillow? I think I could have found a better pillow, man, like a piece of hay or something like that. But he's sleeping on a rock. In the middle of the night, he has a dream, and he sees a letter with a ladder, I'm sorry, between earth and heaven, and angels descending and ascending. What are they doing? They're coming down, bringing blessings. They're going up, bringing requests. They're coming down, bringing blessings. They're going up, bringing requests. They're coming down, giving forgiveness. They're going up, taking praise. Come on. They're ascending and descending. But how do they get between heaven and earth? There's got to be a ladder. And who is the ladder between heaven and earth? Who is the ladder between man and God? It is the God-man, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. You shall see. You shall see angels ascending and descending, but they're not going to be ascending and descending on a ladder. They're going to be ascending and descending on the bridge between heaven and earth, which is the Son of Man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus was the living link between heaven and earth. And in this one week that's described here, in these 51 verses, Jesus began to be followed by six men. And these six men became six of the 12 disciples that Jesus used to turn the world upside down. Jesus is the light of the world. And when we believe him, and receive him and are born again. He gives us the power to become. Thou art this, but thou shall be. Not because you're going to improve yourself, but because the Spirit of God gives you the power to become a son of God. Who's the only son of God we know? Jesus Christ. That means we're going to become like him because we're baptized with the Spirit. We used to be fickle. We used to be bound. We used to be troubled. We used to have issues. We used to be the talk of the town because of our negativity. Maybe you used to be the town drunk. Maybe you used to be the town drug dealer. Maybe you used to be the one that was unfaithful to your wife. But Jesus says, thou art that, but thou shall be. And if you put your faith in the light. Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
This is the power of the gospel. This is the power of the gospel. Come see the light and be transformed. Come see the light and be changed. Let's stand and praise the Lord together with each other right now. Hallelujah. I feel like praising him. I feel like praising him. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. This is the power of the light. And this is a message I want you to leave with. Uh, I want you to get this in your spirit. Uh, the message of thou art, uh, but thou shalt be. God's plan is for you to grow up. God's plan is for you, amen, to put off the old man and to receive the new man, amen, and to grow in him. Thou art this, but thou shall be. You used to be fickle, but you're going to be solid. You used to struggle, but you're going to be victorious through the power of the Son of God, through the power of the light, through believing in the gospel. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Before you leave, I just want you to turn to somebody. Amen. And shake their hand and say, Thou art, but thou shall be. Come on. Thou art. Woo, hallelujah. Where's she? Amen. In the cafe, Sister Sarah is posted up. You can sign up for family portraits right there before you leave. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Have a great week.